Here at Lady Farmer, we talk about so many different aspects of slow and sustainable living, a subject matter that can at times feel confusing, overwhelming, even misleading. And that's why a few years ago, we set out to write a book that might be a guide for those seeking a life of beauty, simplicity, and sustainability. We're thrilled to be able to offer you our own small guide for cultivating slow living, sustainable simplicity close to home available in our online marketplace. In the book, we've woven an easy-to-digest narrative of stories, recipes, tips, resources, ideas, and reflection. This collection of essays and resources will guide you to think about your own relationship to the planet, what you eat, what you wear, and how you live a sustainable lifestyle. It also contains a 21-day slow-living challenge of daily thought exercises to lead you in the process. For you Good Dirt listeners, we are offering free shipping of this wonderful little book with the code THEGOODDIRT in our online marketplace. So use the code THEGOODDIRT, T-H-E-G-O-O-D-D-I-R-T at checkout when you go to purchase your copy of The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living in our online marketplace for free shipping. That's The Good Dirt at The Lady Farmer online marketplace for free shipping on The Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks, everybody. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Okay. Okay. So... Welcome to this bonus episode of the Good Dirt Podcast. We thought we'd like to get on here and talk a little bit about Halloween. And in the spirit of slow living through the seasons, there's really a lot to say about Halloween. Yeah, definitely. Halloween is not particularly solemn or family-oriented in the way that the bigger ones like Thanksgiving and Christmas are we don't get off work for it, you know, that sort of thing. But I think it is one of the more beloved ones that also is sold to us from September 1st on. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween to me feels like the same category as Valentine's and St. Patrick's Day, but it's way better in my opinion. More fun. I think it's seen as more of a playful thing. Yeah. And you say maybe not as serious, but I think maybe in its origins, it, it is quite serious. So I, you know, true. maybe it's helpful to give people a little background. Like, what is it and where does it come from? So, totally. Do you have any wisdom you can share with us about that? <laughs> yeah. So, for just a little quick history and background of it, Halloween festivities are centered around the cross quarter day. 
between the autumnal equinox in September and the winter solstice in December. Now that's fascinating. And, now I knew that because you're my mom, but yeah, <laughs> I wonder how many people listening that's news too. It's like kind of pagan in that way. Oh, it's totally pagan. And, uh, yeah, so Halloween originated, we think. It was celebrated as the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. You'll see it spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but it's pronounced Samhain. And it's from the ancient Celts, and it originates from the changing of the seasons. As our ancestors felt the waning of the season of abundance, you know, the food was slowing down, harder to find. Darkness was rapidly increasing. There was an association with death and an awareness of death being closer. You know, they started thinking, are we going to survive the winter? Food is scarce. Are we going to have enough food? Are we going to freeze to death? All these things that earlier humans had to experience. And So because of that, you'll hear this phrase, it was a time when the veil between life and death became more transparent. So at this time of year, we're more aware and in touch with the other side. These are things which, of course, tend to bring up fear in human beings. So this is how it came to be that the ancients would light bonfires and dress up in costumes and be noisy and raucous as a way of discouraging any of the ghostly visitations from the other side. And it as a way of kind of um, cheering themselves up, you know, kind of chasing fear away, so to speak. So that was originated in pagan times. And then in the mid-8th century, Pope Gregory III, he designated November 1st as All Saints Day. So that was the time that the church set aside to honor all the the saints or the, the hallowed ones who had died. So then the night before becomes All Hallows' Eve, and this became Halloween. So that's how the pagan and the Christian traditions become sort of merged together. And as so often happened throughout history, when the natural seasonal shifts observed and celebrated by the ancient people became overlaid with the church's holy days into what is today what we call holidays. So anyway, fast forward to the 21st century. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're witnessing the seasonal shift right now. And instead of being bombarded by the commercialization of the season and so easily seduced into the consuming aspects of it. How can we enhance our experience and observation of it on a more physical cellular level as human beings and as one and the same with our natural surroundings? Oh, I love that. And the first thing that pops in my head is sort of what we've done, maybe even since you've been at the farm is, you know, bonfires and just being outside as much as we can on that day, if the weather is nice or around it. Yeah. And thinking of it sort of in the like witchy way that we like to think about full moons or new moons or something, it's so fun. And instead of, you know, just the, you got to find a costume and dress up as something funny and take funny pictures. It can be an opportunity to commune with nature. Yeah. That's what I mean. And, you know, and encourage the children also to to make that seasonal connection and maybe even use it as an opportunity to help your kids draw the parallel between the waning of the year and the cycle and how that you know overlaps with human life maybe maybe take this time of year to talk about and remember family members that have passed and 
just use it as a time to bring these things to consciousness. I think that's a lot of what the holiday is about anyway, or, or the seasonal celebrations, I will say, because, you know, when we bring out all the ghouls and the goblins and we literally have fun with them as we do on Halloween, maybe that's a way in our human psyche we deal with the fear of it and the unknown of it. Mm. I'm not a psychologist. I really don't know if that's true or not. It's just an idea I've had. Is it our human impulse to bring out things we're afraid of and and look at them and literally have a day of fun around it? So I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, it reminds me of the, you know, the tradition of Day of the Dead and All Souls Day. And Day of the Dead and All Souls Day comes from a combination of the ancient Aztec custom of celebrating ancestors, which is something that ancient people did much better than we do now. I mean, when do we celebrate ancestors? I feel like we give our recent ancestors one day and that's their funeral. And then we hardly honor them in the official way as a culture. And the ancient people did that. The Aztecs did that. And then when the Spanish invaded South America, they brought with them All Souls Day, and that's religious slant on it, or I would say Christian. Yeah, so it's all overlapping, yeah. Yeah, and now, I don't know if you've seen the movie Coco. It's a Disney movie, new. I have not, no. It's so good. It's a really beautiful illustration of that culture and that celebration. So to your point about making it fun, and then I think our you know American... Western tradition of the silly, goofy Halloween might be a little bit of a pull from that actual really deep ancient culture of Day of the Dead and All Souls Day, which harken back to really an honoring of our ancestors. Yeah, honoring the departed. Yeah. Yeah, and I I know some people, you hear about some people really shying away from the the ghoulishness of Halloween and, you know, confronting like, you know, like, having skeletons in the yard or like, you know, the bloody ghoul statues or figures or whatever. Um, but maybe that is a way of externalizing it, as we're saying, and, mm. and just confronting it. I don't know, on a really deep psychic level. There's something so cozy about it, despite all of that, which is so crazy to me. Well, is it kind of comforting? Yeah. <laughs> Is it comforting in an odd way to have all of it out, you know, out in the open? Right. Yeah. There it is. And here we are. Collecting candy. Not so bad. (laughs) Yeah. And as we do best, turning it into an opportunity to buy lots of things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, of course. This is the 21st century. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's how we do. Yeah. So, should I tell you about my trip to Michael's? Yeah, go for it. I had an errand to run in Michael's the other day. And I haven't been there in a long time. And if if you really don't go into those you know big hobby/craft/supply places very often you need to go in there. It can, it can be a lot, you know, it's kind of a sensory overload. And the first thing I really noticed was that you had Halloween and Christmas all glommed together. There's, you know, of course there's a ton of Christmas stuff already there. Mm. So you're walking through there and you have the 
the sensory stimulation of winter wonderland, you know, gingerbread kits and flashing lights and trees and all of this. And then you go in the next aisle and you have all these ghoulish things, blinking orange lights, you know, maybe spooky music emanating here and there, Christmas carol over there. So it occurred to me that, wow, you know, um, in this place of commerce, you're physically not given the opportunity to immerse yourself in any season. It's all like sort of glommed up there together. And so what does that do to our nervous system? What does that do to our sense of stress about things we have to do and things we have to buy and things we have to get ready for? I'm like getting stressed out just listening to you say that. (laughs) So it just made me think, where do we find that comfort and ease and, and rest and enjoyment of a season? which I think is our, our birthright as, as living things on the planet to be able to enjoy and absorb whatever season it is, you know, slow living through the seasons. Notice the changes, notice the smells, the senses, and all this. So in being in Michael's the other day, I realized, wow, that's not happening here. And what does this do to people? What does this do to us when we have to live in the midst of this what does this do to us in terms of how we feel on a daily basis? Well, yeah. And how? where is the space that we can actually enjoy Halloween and enjoy Christmas if we're made to feel like we need to buy things to participate in a way? You know, people think Christmas is a big consumer season. Halloween is, I don't know how it compares, but it's a big one. I have a couple of statistics here. Go for it. The NRF, which is the National Resource Federation, predicts Halloween spending this year to reach $10.6 billion. And that's through a combination of costumes and, of course, decorations and candy. And all of this also results on the other end of it on the very next day, just about in huge waste. Yeah. And in an article published in The Guardian, which is a UK publication in 2019, the headline says the scariest thing about Halloween is the plastic waste, equivalent to 83 million plastic water bottles. That's from all the, the plastic made in all the costumes and so forth. And all those things are mostly throwaway things. So there's a lot going on out there and it's not sustainable for the earth. And, and really all of this, this stimulation and the consumerism is really not sustainable to us as humans, actually. So what do we do? Well, with slow living through the seasons in mind, how can we embrace the parts that are fun and meaningful and enhance our experience and help our children have that same experience and that connection? Yeah. And I don't want to in any way take away from the fun of Halloween. It's great. I think what we're saying is it can be even more fun. More fun. Like, yeah, less of the stuff and more of the experience and more of the meaning of the season as as the ancients experienced it, I don't think we have mm-hmm. to worry about our survival quite so much as they this were. This episode should be called Make Halloween Fun Again. I like that. <laughs> not to say it's not fun or anything, but it is a really great opportunity to examine our own yeah. habits around it and what we're throwing away and what we feel like we have to buy. And it's such a fun opportunity to get really creative. And we're not talking about like, okay, now you have to make all your own costumes. No. Or whatever. But there are so many things you can do. For instance, to the costume thing, how many kids, if you have kids of a certain age, you probably know of a whole lot of other kids that age. Your kids are probably in a classroom at school with 30 of them. So theoretically, that would be 
29 costumes that you could choose from the next year if you were to do a costume swap with your kids' friends uh, instead of feeling like every year you had to go buy a new costume, which also is expensive. And they're not good quality. Well, no, they're throwaway. They're made of plastic. And they can charge whatever they want because you'll go buy them. It makes actually makes me really mad. Right. And to the point you just made about feeling like you need to buy things and consume things. I think it's easy for us to get locked into a behavior. And we talked about this with the back to school thing a little bit like, okay, it's this time of year. I need to go to the store and buy these things. Mm -hmm. And just to stop a minute and just pause and take a look at that. And maybe I can do something different this year. Yeah. The costume swap, that's a perfect example might be different from what we've done in the past. But yeah, it's a great idea and it's really almost no downside to it. Also, in in terms of like going shopping, you know, with all of this stuff in mind, all about the sensory stimulation and the mixing up of the holidays and going into these stores and these stressful experiences for adults and children, maybe it's possible to switch out a shopping trip here and there course, you have to go shopping sometimes for some things, but every now and then switch it out for an outdoor excursion. So so kids, instead of going to Target today, we're going to go to the park or we're going to take this little nature hike over here. Just intentionally do that so that you're exposing yourself and everybody else to what's going on in nature, which is the point of the whole thing, and grounding everyone a little bit into what's going on around you. And letting it sink in, let it sink into your cells and your psyche and breathe in the air and just just feel it and it, be it and experience it. So totally. Yeah. Let's talk about some decorations. Oh, okay. So in Michael's that day, they had this huge bin in the middle of the store. Enormous. It was filled with plastic pumpkins. Oh, wow. Plastic pumpkins. Wow. If there's one thing I would think is available. Yeah. Everywhere. It's pumpkin, real pumpkins. That can literally be composted at the end. Yes. So that really struck me as something that's hugely unnecessary. <laughs> so Yeah. And you might think, well, I'll just store it and use it next year. But do you really want a big like 10-inch round thing to store all year long when you can have this natural thing that decomposes and will enrich your soil, make good dirt. So anyway, yeah, no. So um, what do you think of this method of preserving your pumpkins, I guess, so they don't like rot on your front porch? Because that's the only thing I can think of is why you would buy a plastic pumpkin. Someone might say, well, they get pumpkins and then they rot. But there is a way that you can mix bleach, water, dish soap, and maybe some peppermint essential oil. You just like really wash it really good. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to help your pumpkins last long. Well, what do you think about that? I think, yeah, you can do that if you want. But here I am in my 60s and I've always had a pumpkin for this season and it always lasts through Thanksgiving. I've, I've really never had a problem with them. <laughs> Yeah, rotting during the season yeah. that doesn't strike me as being a big problem for me in my own experience but anyway right but just offering that to anyone another thing i've noticed is sometimes they'll have decorative straw bales so how about going to you know going to get a real straw bale <laughs> where do you get straw bales maybe 
Tractor Supply, Lowe's, Home Depot, a place like feed stores. I don't know. Maybe you don't have a place that is straw bales around you. But if you do, it's something to think about rather than getting something, again, to store and something that you can use at the end of the season to enrich your soil or your garden. And fall leaves, colored leaves. What a great activity for the kids to go out and collect colored leaves and bring them inside and display them somehow, put them in a bowl or a basket or even cut twigs from trees that have colored leaves on them and you may stick the twigs in water so that they stay fresher longer. But yeah, they'll dry up and you'll have to throw them outside. But hey, it's beautiful. How about um, candy? Is there any way around candy? I don't know. Certainly a really fun part of my growing up. And I wouldn't suggest to anyone that you need to not let your kids have Halloween candy because I I think that was really a fun part of it. And what do you think about that? I will say we could all just chill a little bit on the Halloween wrappers because what happens is that makes it weird to eat them after Halloween or not. Or we can just chill on having feelings about that. Maybe I can chill and just realize it's just a wrapper. But you know what I mean? I I know what they're doing by putting Halloween stuff on the wrapper. But then it it does give it sort of a shorter shelf life for whatever reason. Um, Oh, yeah. So that's my only thought about it. More like neutral wrappers. I don't know. I think that would probably be like kind of a drop in the ocean and having an effect on it's so the waste you know so of course there's the idea of creating your own halloween treats and there's an endless potential of that okay i just found this blog zero waste candy alternatives for trick-or-treaters number one is alter eco truffles that is a brand of chocolate and they come in compostable packaging. They are a little pricey. You can buy a 60-piece box of truffles for $45. <laughs> um, so there's that. There is, this person suggests candy and cardboard boxes. That's not a bad idea. Like Junior Mints, Dots, going for the cardboard box situation. I like that. Now, yeah. that's, duds. you know, that would still mean the kids that get them would need to recycle the tiny boxes after they use them, but... It's something. Um, and then canned soda. That's interesting. Like the like especially the mini cans. And then the last one is foil candy, which kind of like the cardboard boxes, you can't control too much what's happening on the other end, but I guess it's better than plastic. So yeah, those are some ideas. So those are all great ideas about the candy. We can be imaginative and come up with creative solutions and not just automatically default to every single behavior that we're used to. But anyway, and wrapping it up, the things we've talked about in terms of just trying to shift our experience of Halloween, which is a really fun holiday that goes way, way back and really touches into some really essential experiences of humans living on earth way before industrialization and all this technology and commercialization of everything. There's some really essential things that Halloween touches into. So, and that reminds me too of, we didn't quite touch on this, but when you think about your memories of Halloween and you think about what, you know, as a kid, what you remember, I don't know about you, but for me, it's 
all, it's being outside, it's being with my friends. Yeah. It, the excitement of running around the neighborhood. Yes, the candy obviously helps in that moment, but I'm not specifically remembering items. I mean, I know in the moment we got excited about different decorations, but it really is all about a feeling as so as almost everything is, right? So just yeah. remembering that when you're planning holidays for your kids and all of these things, it's so much about the feeling. And what we tend to do is equate things to feelings and we don't have to. Oh, that's so true, Emma. So what is the feeling we're trying to replicate? What is it? What is the feeling we're trying to create? I think it's just fun and silly and being with friends and being with neighbors and kind of everything we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. And what you said, being outside and experiencing Mm -hmm. the weather and the chill in the air and the bright leaves and kicking the leaves around as you're running up and down the street trick-or-treating. It it, it is all those things. It's it's so true. So, So just take a step back and realize how much of the buying and waste we can do without and still have all of that great experience. So yeah, so the costume swaps is a great idea. Homemade treats, of course. Let your kids scrounge around the house to come up with costume pieces. That'll be fun for them. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to come up with costume pieces from things that you already have. It's a fun challenge. And, uh, of course, committing to using natural decorations. And, you know, just think twice before you go shopping. Think, what do you really Find need? What thrift stores. Yeah, and when you have the impulse to buy something new, just think twice about it. Is there something I I can find around the house or use as an alternative? And also, once again, the shopping trips, you know, forego a shopping trip every now and then to do something outside. Take a walk, go have a picnic, just little things like that. It sort of really don't take away from it at all. In fact, they enhance it. They enhance the true essence of these seasons that we want to embrace. So, yeah. Well said, Mom. And with that, we hope that you are preparing and feeling cozy and fallish and getting ready for a really fun and happy, happy Halloween wherever you are. Thank you for listening to The Good Dirt. We will be back on Friday with an interview. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in, calling in, and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at wearladyfarmer. That's wearladyfarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.